We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Subtitle, Imagination. How many of you have imaginations? You see, it takes 30 days to start a habit. It takes 30 days to break a habit. And so that is why we're having the Faith 5 Challenge because we've got it for 30 days to help you start in the habit of having greater faith. Memorizing scripture. I mean, a total of four scriptures in a month. Come on, Children's Church memorizes more than that. Fasting eight meals over 30 days. All of us can do that. It's because we are looking for God to do something greater in our lives. I believe in greater, don't you? Greater, bigger, stronger. That's what I want in my life. And you know what? God has it. We've got to work it. Got to work your faith. And so today, it is not God's will for any of you to live in fear. No way. God wants us to live in his strength, his power, and have an abundant life. God has a plan for you. A purpose for your life. I told somebody the other day, when I get to heaven, you know, everybody's got all these questions. I would really like for God to show me in my life how many times I made decisions that lined up with his will and his perfect plan for my life and how many times I made decisions that got me going way over here. You see, God has a perfect plan for our lives and probably none of us have hit all the marks but it's our goal to hit more of the marks, right? To stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Because what we think and how we think, it drives our imaginations. Your mind, your will, your emotions can all be contrary to God's will in your life. We've all had those moments. Our imaginations can cause us to do great things for God. I mean... Somewhere in the past, this building was at first an imagination. And then it was faith. And then expectancy happens with faith, and then it shows up in reality. That's how the process works. Imaginations. They can cause us to do great things. It can also cause catastrophe in our lives. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. They can cause us to have catastrophes. We should all have dreams, right? Dreams, imaginations. I have on these red tennis shoes today because I was told, first and foremost once I got here, that I'm a cool cat. Because Pete is a cool cat. How many know Pete the cat? Cool cat, all right? I'm a cool cat. But the reason why I'm wearing these tennis shoes is because I still have imaginations. When I was younger, I had an imagination of going pro in basketball. So you look at me and go, boy, you got a big imagination. Yeah. Man, I went out there and for hours and hours and weeks and months and years, I played practice basketball. And I would stand at the free throw, bounce the ball, you know, one second left. We're down by one. Bardwell's on the line. Can he make two free throws? All those things. Imaginations. And now, in my imaginations, I can still play. In my imaginations, I can still dunk. In my imaginations, I can play just like those guys in the NBA. And sometimes I yell at them and go, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah. Anybody have an imagination? Probably bigger than mine, probably. Okay. 
I, we've got God is a creative God, right? He created us. He's a creator. And we are the workmanship of his hands. So when he created you, he created me, he created us with this creative imaginations that we have. But the Bible tells us that we have to take control of our imaginations. Uh, Paul said to the Corinth church, take it captive because it can cause catastrophe. So when we take those imaginations, we place them in the presence of God and look what it says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Isn't that amazing? I don't care how big your imagination is. It's never going to even conceive what God has already prepared for you and me. That's amazing. Because God's Word tells us that He can give us more than we can imagine. Wow. Imagination is a wonderful thing because out of imagination comes faith. Out of faith comes expectancy. Out of expectancy comes reality. So we first have to imagine what God can do. Imagine what God can be in our lives. Imagination is a wonderful thing. Here's what D.L. Moody said. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man, I'll say slash woman, fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. Wow. I still believe the world has, still hasn't seen what God can do with someone who is fully consecrated to God. Wow. Imagination. Hey, look who said this. Imagination rules the world. Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow, look what his imaginations cost. Microsoft's only factory asset is the human imagination. Bill Gates. Imagination. I mean, a few years ago, no one knew what the words Wi-Fi meant. What an iPhone was. A few years ago, you were still standing by the wall holding on to a phone. And now we have a generation that don't even know how to use that. They go, what is this thing? Imaginations are now driving cars without us touching the wheels. I believe imaginations are going to come true. I always believed that before I died, I'll be flying my car like the Jetsons. How many of you grew up with that? We're going to have a flying car that folds up into a suitcase. It can happen, people. Yeah. Imaginations. Imaginations. What can God do in your life? What are your imaginations of what can do, God can do in your life? So I want to talk about that today. When we have these four faith foundations of how to be used by God, we need these four faith foundations in our life. In order for God to take us from imagination to faith, expectancy, and reality, number one, you've got to let go of your doubts. Doubt. Doubt limits you and doubt will limit God in your life. It doesn't limit God, it just limits God in your life. I was talking with a gentleman the other day that owns this um, Hellcat car. Hellcat, that's a good name, right? He says that this thing has over 800 horsepower in it. He can raise it up to over 1,000 if he does the computer right. He said, but however, 
if I put my foot to the floorboard, it only takes eight minutes for the tank to be empty, from full to empty, eight minutes. So how many of you know he doesn't keep the foot to the floorboard very often? But I thought about that. There is so much power available, but he doesn't access it because it cost him too much. I don't have to preach that, do I? You should be preaching that yourself. We have so much power available to every one of us beyond our imaginations, but most of us don't access it because it cost us too much. Doubts, you've got to let go of them. James 1.6 says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed about by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. We talked about faith. What does faith do? It expects God to do something. If we have doubt, then you should not expect anything from God. Because you're going to be on fire today and cold tomorrow. God can do it this minute. And oh, I don't know if he can do this or not the next moment. We can get tossed around by our emotions, by our own imaginations if we don't keep them in line with God. Doubt. Today I want to talk about a man who had a lot of doubt. He had a lot, a lot of doubts. So the question is, do we have faith or do we doubt? You can't have both. Come on. Well, we cannot let these things coexist. We've got to get rid of, let go of our faith. I mean, our doubts, we can hold on to our faith. Do we have faith? Joshua, remember that guy Joshua? Old Testament? He had a problem with self-confidence. And God is wanting him to lead millions of people. How would you like a, a, a guy who's going to lead millions of people to always be doubting what he's saying? You don't need a leader like that, do you? You need somebody to get up with confidence. I was told if you just say it with confidence, it doesn't matter. People will believe you. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's true. Just say it with confidence. Sometimes you've done that in your job. Uh, I, I don't ever do it in my job. Just say, Joshua, this guy was a successor of Moses. Think about it. The word of God tells us that Moses was the greatest man who ever lived. I wish they had one of those echo effects. The greatest man who ever lived. Moses. And now I have to follow Moses? I mean, the guy who throws his rod down and it turns into a snake and then he picks it up? I mean, the guy who should have spoken to the rock but he hit it and water comes out anyway? I mean, the guy who stood at the edge of a river and just lifted it up there and all of a sudden the water's parted? I'm following him? No way. God, you got the wrong guy. Not me. Because who can follow the greatest man who ever lived? Not me. Not me. Joshua had an assignment from God. And he's been told, I want you to lead this group of people. And if you look back at the group of people, guess what? They're rebellious. Remember the moment Moses went up on the mountain? He comes back down. They're worshiping all kind of idols and all this stuff. They're rebellious. They're, they have lots of doubts. They doubted Moses all the time. And they were people who had so much unbelief. Now, lead that group of people into the promised land. In the promised land, seven nations occupied the promised land. 
and all the nations were bigger than Israel. So they're already starting out. Moses, done. We got to go over and get the promised land with me? I don't think so. All of the enemy is bigger. You see, God has this whole bigger enemy thing worked out. So whatever mountains, whatever enemy you're facing, if it's really big, good. Because that's when God's going to show up on the scene. You see, here's what God told Joshua. Joshua's on the bank of the river one night, and he's been told to cross over and go into the promised land. Joshua 1, 9, he says this, Have I not commanded you? I mean, God's got some commands for us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Man, now Joshua's ready to go, right? That's all he needed. Boom. Are you ready to go? Because you know that already too, don't you? God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. And we're still sitting on the side of the bank sometimes going, well, pastor, I know what he said, but... Yeah, I've seen people who believe their doubts and doubt their beliefs. I've seen people like that. Doesn't make sense. We need to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. We need to believe the word of God and begin to stand on it and then be strong and courageous. Why? It's not my promise. It's God's promise. It's not my word. It's his word. He said to do this, all I have to do is fulfill my role and step out in faith. Believe that God can. I want all of us to ask ourselves this question. What can God use me for if I fully consecrate myself to him? What is God's plan? What imaginations has he given to me to fulfill his will in my life? Self-doubts. Why do we question our self-doubts? Number one, we compare ourselves to others. Ever done that? I've done that a bunch. When I was a young boy, I heard a lot of different preachers, and boy, I thought, man, I want to be like him, I want to be like him, I want to be like her, be like him. And God did not call me to be like them. And I compared myself, and I'm like, how many know when you compare yourselves, you're going to fall way short? I've known a lot of guys who were great comedians in the pulpit. I want to be a comedian. I'm not a comedian. I have nothing but bad jokes. So I'm going to tell you my bad joke. Okay? You got to be ready for it or you'll miss it. So a ram is on a high cliff overlooking all his domain. There's a road down below him. And he's standing on the cliff looking over his domain, looking down at the road below. And a car drives by. And they roll the window down. And they yell up to the ram, There will never be another you! And the ram jumps off the cliff. If you don't get it, ask the person next to you. You, Y-E-W, never mind. Oh, I got it now. He spelled it for me. Sometimes pastors have to spell it out for everybody. Oh, boy, it's slow. We're just going to wait here for a minute till everybody gets it because somebody's going to laugh when I don't need you to, okay? Bad jokes. We all have flaws, right? We all have doubts and excuses we can give God. I mean, look at Elijah. He calls fire down from heaven and then runs from a woman. 
That's, he gets under a tree. He says, I'm discouraged. I'm the only one left. Yeah. Look at David, a great warrior, but he's an adulterer. He has a woman's husband killed because of his flaws. Imaginations cause catastrophe in his life. And yet the Bible says about Elijah, look at this, Elijah is like as we are. Wow. Yeah, we all have self-doubts. We all have times to where we compare ourselves to other people. But you know what? God uses everyone. The Bible says he wants to use you and me so as to confound the world. <laughs> right? People go, God's using you. God, Yeah, he uses me. Because it's him. It's God in me. The hope of glory, it's not me. It's God in me. But I am the only me. I am. Number two, remembering your past failures. We like to give testimony of all the past. No, no, listen, I believe when we get saved, sometimes it can be a testimony, but let's don't dwell on it. That is gone. The past is behind you. It's over with. God doesn't even remember it anymore. But we remember it, and we like to tell God about our past, or we like to tell other people, well, well I'd like to, but, but if you only knew my past. Hey, we're not here to talk about the past. We're here to talk about the future. We're here to talk about what God is going to do. And so your body, your anatomy, is a wonderful illustration of what the future is, right? Two eyes in your head, which way are they looking? Forward. Yeah. You got two ears, which way are they facing? Forward. You got two hands, which way are they facing? Forward. You got two feet, which way are they facing? Forward. Every part of your anatomy is about forward. What's in your future? Except one part. That's why we call it the behind. <laughs> your past is behind you. Oh, come on, let's just get real. It's behind us. We need to move forward. Don't keep reminding God and everybody else about your past. Begin to let God give you imaginations about how he can use you in your future. You're the only one. Nobody else can replace you. Nobody else can replicate you. You're the only one and God has created you. He has placed you here for a reason. Every one of you here today are an answer to prayer. You are. From the day I walked in this pulpit, I said, God, I need laborers. The white harvest is always ready. It's the laborers that are not. Need laborers, and God is bringing you in. Because you're laborers, you're getting ready to do something. You're, God is beginning to birth a fire inside of you. I want to do something, Pastor. Well, listen, we're going to have something for you to do real soon. Every person. Yeah. Because God has a vision for this house and a vision for your life and a plan and a purpose. And we need to let go of the past. B, we need to look at promises. Promises. God tells Joshua 13 times that he is going to be with him. He's going to stay there. He's going to give him everything. I will, I will, I will. Joshua 23, 14, at the end of Joshua's life, here's what Joshua says. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises of God, of the Lord you gave, your God gave you, has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Wow. 
Joshua, not one failed? Throughout the word of God, there's over 1,500 promises that God has given to you and me. And not one has ever failed. When I get to the place of leaving this earth, if God does not come back, I will be able to say with confidence, God has never failed me. I have failed him, but God has never failed me. Every time he's kept his word. Joshua 1.5 No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. God was fighting for Joshua. God is fighting for you. I have taken this verse and put my name in there. God, you're fighting for me. You will never leave me. You're on my side. Joshua 1.7. Be strong and very courageous. Yeah. He knows what's ahead for Joshua. Don't just be courageous, but you be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Wow. Wherever you go, Joshua, God, you know where I'm at. We're on the bank of this river. We've been here quite a while. When we got here, it was only about 100 feet wide, and now it's over a mile wide because it's flood season. Yeah. But we haven't moved because you haven't told us to. So you know where I'm at, and you know where I'm going, and what's in front of me, I don't. I'm going to have to have faith, imaginations. I'm sure that Joshua was imagining probably some failures. How many of you would be? I'm like, Ugh. Not, I can't. This was a Moses thing, not a me thing. Moses did this. I've never done this. I can't do it. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not get discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God has given this guy the pep talk of his life. Man, if I was a coach, I would be up here today telling every one of you, look at me straight in the eye. Come on, straight in the eye, straight in the eye. Do not get discouraged. Do not, do not quit on me. God has got this thing. God has already paid the price. God is going to get you through the tough times. He's going to get you through the valleys. He's going to get you to the mountaintop. It's time for us to get ready to go out there and let's win this thing. It's time, right? We need somebody giving us a pep talk every now and then. We do. We all can get discouraged. Look at what is ahead. Yeah. Wow. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. D.L. Moody. Pastor, you've already read that. No, no. I'm reading it different this time. Because when I heard that quote as a young Christian, I said, I want to be that man. Not D.L. Moody. I want to be that man. And I haven't gotten it together yet to be fully consecrated. But guess what? That's what I'm working on. Fully consecrated to God. It's still my challenge to move from doubt to faith. Next, we need to lean upon God. Lean upon God. Because we trust what we are leaning on that it will hold us up. Remember Moses? Remember the war? And he had his hands up? 
And as long as the hands were up, they won. But what happened after a little while? He got tired. He got weary. So he started letting his hands down. And when, it, when that happened, they began losing. So he had two great men who came alongside of him and their job was, keep my hands up, boys. I can't do this by myself. I need some help. Sometimes you've tried to do things all by yourself and you're going to fail. I can do this in my own strength, my own ability. I've got my own talents. I've got my own... And you're going to fall because you're going to get weary. As long as Joshua trusted God, he had the confidence and the promises of God that God will be with him. When you will leave your fear when God is near. I have found that if I allow fear and doubt in my life, in my imaginations, I have to stop and check how close am I to God. How close am I to God? Not how big is the problem, not, not what are we facing here, but how close am I to God? Because when I get near to God, my fear will leave me. Because all of a sudden I begin to get built up because of the Word of God and the presence of God. All of a sudden, I begin to remember promises. All of a sudden, I begin to remember that God is faithful. That God will not let me go through more than what I can handle. That God will sustain me. Hallelujah. That God, when I can't stand up, He will hold me up. When I can't keep my hands up, God will keep my hands up for me. I lean on Him. So the question is, what are you leaning on? I've seen pastors lean on their talents. I don't need God. I just, boy, I got this. No, you don't. I've seen people lean on their wealth. I mean, no wealth can be gone in a moment. I can lean on my health. Health can be gone in just a second. All it takes is one little visit to the doctor or one little symptom, and then all of a sudden everything changes. Well, I'm going to lean on my personality. I have a wonderful personality. How many know that crutch is going to break real quick? <laughs> uh, who are you leaning on? Are you leaning on other people? They'll fail you. They won't hold you up sometimes. Are you leaning on culture? It'll fail you. It changes constantly. Are you leaning on yourself? Well, definitely you will let yourself down. So how do you do this? All this is laying groundwork for this one thing. We've got to launch out in faith. Launch out in faith. You got to get ready. You got to start putting your faith into actions because faith without works is what? It's dead. So it's time for action. Not about feelings. Because I got to imagine Joshua wasn't feeling real good about this. It's not about circumstances. Uh, the time for excuses are gone. Joshua verses 10 and 11 in chapter 1 says this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Get ready! Let's go! Pumped up! Three days! I'm thinking, man, it took them three days to pack up all their stuff. They're doing pretty good. I could be ready in about 30 minutes. They're getting ready. Can you imagine the buzz all through the camp? Hey, you're getting ready. It's going to be just like Moses. Man, I remember, you know what happened? We went up to the river's edge and Moses took that rod and stuck it out. And boom! Water's parted. It's going to be just like that, man. Kids, you wasn't alive then, but let me tell you about Moses. He was the greatest man who ever lived. 
It's going to be, you're about to see the impossible happen. I'm telling you, Joshua's going to get up there, lift up there, up, boom, it's, get ready. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Normally, 100 foot wide river, now it's over a mile wide. Rushing, torrents. I mean, there's trees coming down the river, there's boulders rolling there. It's serious. It's intimidating. Joshua. Okay, God. What's the plan? Well, Joshua. Uh, so, God, you're going to... Uh, I need to find a stick, right? No, no stick. Okay, I'm just going to get up and go, Part waters! No, I'm not going to do that either. What? Well, I want you to tell the priest to get there and just start walking out in the water. What? What? They're going to get swept down the river. No, no, no. Just, just tell them. You just walk out there and I don't know how far it's going to be, but God's going to do something. How many of you be on board with that? <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm not a priest. Uh, not a priest. I'm a priest in training. Uh, no. You guys are going to go first, and you're going to walk out in the river before anything ever happens. You're going to start. You're going to get wet. And this muddy, you're going to get wet. And How many know when a, when a river's out of its banks, there's mud way before you get to the river? You're going to get wet and muddy and nasty. It's going to get tough. It's going to be rough. Don't slip and fall, but you're going to... This ain't the way Moses did it. No. You said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Well, I'm there. It's just this time we're going to do things a little different. Because I want you to be remembered for you. I don't want people comparing you to Moses. I want you to get ready. So here's what they do. They get ready. And he stands up and tells them, it's time. Start walking. Now, how many of you want God to part that water way before you get there? I do. I want God to heal me before I even start praying. I want God to save my kids before I even start praying about it. I want God just to slap them and get them back right. I want God to increase my finances in my bank account just miraculously. Just do it, Lord. I want God to take me and make me an NBA basketball player at 59. I can do that. Yeah. That's vain imagination. That's in the Bible. God says, I want you to be obedient and you're walking and you're going to have faith. And they were obedient and they started walking out in that river that was at flood stage. And when they got so far out, all of a sudden something started happening. I got to tell you, sometimes everything in your senses is going to say, God is not doing anything. Keep trusting. Keep walking. Because you will see the hand of God at work. You, it may get nasty before it gets fixed. It may get really bogged down before it gets fixed. It may get slippery on that slope. But just keep your faith. Yeah. Because you see, the river was just the first barrier. It wasn't their end game. 
Because once they crossed the river, they had seven nations they had to defeat in war. So crossing the river was not war. I mean, the war didn't really start till they got past that barrier. I got to tell you, whatever you're believing for today, don't think, well, if I can get this, that's all. No, wait a minute. When you begin to have faith that's greater and you start walking in faith that is greater, get ready for the battle of your life because the enemy's going to try to kill you, steal everything from you, and destroy you. That's good news. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Because every time my wife and I, we start moving and living in greater faith than we've had, every time the enemy comes in like a flood. But when he comes in like a flood, God says, I will lift up a standard of holiness against him. When the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy, he goes, I'm going to give you a life that's abundant and full of joy. Whenever the enemy tries to steal our imaginations, God says, hey, wait a minute, I made a promise to you. I made a promise to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. As I was with all your forefathers, I will be with you. But he doesn't always do it the same way. I wish he did, don't you? But we have a creative God who looks at you and goes, hey, wait a minute. I can use you differently than I did the others before. We've got to let go of our doubts. We've got to be a Simon Peter and jump out of the boat when everybody else is going, wait, wait, there's pretty big waves out there. We've got to be like a David that says, I can't miss. I'm bringing a stone to a sword fight here. God will deliver you into my hands today. Some of you are here today and you're going to say, but pastor, I'm too old. I've already done my time. Church is not a sentence. I think sometimes people think they're prisoners. Well, I've already served my time in church, Pastor. You haven't served your time if you're breathing. Do you know how old Joshua was when God was talking to Joshua about doing this? Take, just starting leadership, 80 years old. 80, and he's just starting. Yeah, you're not too old. So you may say, well, I'm too young to do anything for God. No, you're not. The Bible says we're to have faith like that of a child. You probably got greater faith than some of us who've been going through life. I remember my daughter one time, I was, I was in college, I was sick, we didn't have any money, I couldn't go to work, I didn't have anything to help me, and I was sitting there in my recliner, and I was just praying, and I got discouraged, and I said, Lord, you brought us here, and how many of you had a pity party? Man, I was partying crazy that night, partying hard, and my little four-year-old daughter comes over there and looks at me, and I had a little heart-shaped worry stone right beside my recliner. How many know what a worry stone is? Okay, it's a, it's a stone that's got a little indention in it because you've rubbed a hole in it from worrying, okay? So I have this little heart-shaped thing with a little hole in it, and, I, and it's a worry stone. And my daughter picks that thing up, and at four years of age, she looks at me, she said, Daddy, don't worry. God's got you. Mm. Four years old. Then she leaves. Well... I could have whooped her good for saying that. <laughs> but then you know what else she does? She goes in the bathroom and kneels down beside the bathtub and starts praying for daddy. And I went in there and I heard my little four-year-old daughter praying for her daddy. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have her faith. I should have her strength because you told me you would never leave me, you'd never forsake me. 
You told me you would always be there for me, and here I am. I haven't even gotten started yet. I haven't even gotten through Bible college yet and seminary yet. I haven't done anything, and here I am. And I had to say, God, please forgive me. But you know what that did? It strengthened my faith. So now when I go into battle mode, I remember that story. And some of you have stories of your own that you could get up here today and tell that today will cause your strength to be greater than it's ever been before. Because once you've crossed the river, that's just barrier one. Now you're ready for war. Yeah. Don't look to the left or the right. Keep your eyes on Jesus, Simon Peter. You will not sink. Sometimes we have to, like I said last week, admit where we're at, but we have faith take us where God wants us to be. Yeah. Faith. Faith. Imagination. Imagine what God could do in your life if you fully consecrated, leaned on, trusted, believed, had faith in God. Imagine what God could do in your life. There's a great theologian on HGTV, a little show called Hometown. Any of you ladies ever seen that? All of the men? You don't know what that is? Pastor, I watch it, but I'm not admitting it in church. There's a show called Hometown. It's in my home state of Mississippi. And the town is Lowell, Mississippi. And the lady on there is named Erin Napier. And she always has this little saying. Imagine not what you see, but what it can be. And she says it in that southern voice. Erin Napier. Imagine not what you see, but what it can be. And then she goes, and I have a painting. I thought... What if we all did that today? What if we all said, imagine not who you are, who you were, but who God is calling you to be. Imagine not what you see of yourself now, but what God sees in you tomorrow. Imagine. Imagination. You've got to let go of your doubts. Take hold of God's promises. Lean on to God and launch out in faith. What could God do with a church that decided we're ready? I'm ready. Let's cross the river. Now, we're going to do it the way former pastors have done it in the past? Probably not. I don't know who they were. Uh, I'm sure they were the greatest man who ever lived. And I cannot fill their shoes. Would never attempt to. But I know that God has told me what this church can do. God has shown me how every one of you can be used by God in a more powerful way than you ever imagined. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.